Ogo Mawale for the win. Alike Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Pino gets the crossing. He's towards one man. championship medal she is the greatest of all time you just can't say it enough wow women singles champion Serena Williams Boom large Williams into Bird in the corner you bet she's done it again Sue Bird you're listening to All In a women's sports podcast on WFUV Sports Welcome in to another edition of All In. I am Julia Moss this week, joined by Chaz McAdams and Annabelle Watson. And, you know, it feels like sometimes when we're doing All In at this time, if there's not a big storyline, you know, it gets kind of hard to get a full great pot out. But that hasn't been an issue at all this year so far. There's been huge storylines every single week. And I think that's very, and I guess we'll start on this, is just very... I don't know the word, com- just comparable to how women's sports is evolving. And I've always said this before, um, you know, women's sports started getting more and more media. The more media it gets, the more storylines it gets. And that's what we're seeing now. This kind of stuff didn't make, I mean, we're going to talk about Angel Reese first, um, but this kind of stuff didn't make consistent headlines before because the media didn't follow the sport itself. So I want to start a little, you know, maybe not with women's sports specific headline but just in a general sense because this Angel Reese thing is is very interesting because as I said before I don't think this is a headline that would have been followed even two or three years ago but because women's sports is being on ESPN more it's just being seen more these kind of headlines are more followed. Yeah I think that really when I reflect back I feel like a big turning point for women's sports and getting a lot of attention in the media is the whole Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark thing. I think that was a huge turning point, obviously, specifically for the NCAA uh, in women's basketball. But I think just because of the kind of drama of that, it really amplified the attention on the sport. And I think that's really carried into this season. And then obviously, you've always had the U.S. women's national team get a lot of media attention and I think now with the coaching changes it that's even more amplified so it's really awesome to see how it's funny how that kind of drama can really do a good thing it can bring attention to something that hasn't gotten the rightful amount of attention for so many years I mean yeah I'll be the first one to say it uh I got into NCAA women's basketball because of that Caitlin Clark rivalry I got a couple of boys uh born and raised down Iowa City, and they were telling me at the beginning of the year, again, I didn't follow NCAA women's ball. They were telling me about this girl that could drop a triple-double in her sleep. And uh, I was I would go, I would going out, and I, I started to see this rivalry like going in, and the I pay attention to the final. Like, I'm a basketball. I pay attention to the final four women's, like working with uh, Fordham women's basketball and stuff like that. But it's very, very good for the sport when you have I, – I don't want to compare it. I, I, I will. I, I'll compare it <laughs> to Magic it. and Bird. <laughs> I, I, and I genuinely believe that. I think they are both at such a high level and so dominant above. Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark are so heads above the rest of the pack. And they're also so competitive with each other. And I think they will see a lot of each other. If Angel Reese can stay on the court, we'll talk about that. But 
this is very good for the sport and women's sport as a whole because I think WNBA also saw the most yeah. uh, the most coverage. It's like in terms of fan, they've been on a steady rise for a while. So overall, Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, when they're playing basketball, are great for are great for women's sports in general. Yeah, uh, just to your WNBA point, I think it's another it was another rivalry season. You saw the rivalry between the Aces and the Liberty, and I think that again got a lot of attention to the WNBA. So, just overall rival rivalries are good for women's sports. It's awesome to see. And then furthermore, we talked about the exposure women's sports is getting. The NWSL, we talked about it about a month ago when the steal um became public but the NWSL secured a 240 million dollar domestic broadcast deal with four of the biggest streaming and cable partners out there including CBS, ESPN, Amazon and then Scripps. I don't know what Scripps is but NWSL games will be on uh, there. You'll find out about it now. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard about it? No. Okay. I'll be watching now. No. <laughs> but, uh, uh no, Scripps like I mean that that seems kind of not to not to cut you off, but go for it. Seems like a like having those three majors to get the coverage, and then scripts. Which <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty active. I don't really know anything about it. It seems like that can be the place to be for NWSL. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if in in that respect, it's kind of good to have a smaller streaming service that's maybe a little more unknown because you can you can kind of have that be the flagship streaming service of the NWSL. NWSL has come a long way from a couple years ago when the only way I could watch a game was uh, their Twitch live streams. So uh, wow, we've come a long way. I wasn't way there for that. that. That's 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 brutal. We've come a long way. ESPN, CBS, Amazon, both three big players in getting these these games on TV. And this all, I mean, I wrote so and just so many papers on how. Fans of sports, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, and you guys can can chime in if you want before we go into Angel Reese, but sports fans love the sport. I can't take that away. You know, I love soccer. I love basketball. I love the sport. But there are a lot of sports fans who watch sports for the drama. They watch it for the storylines. It's like, okay, I'm going to tune in this game because Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese are playing. It's not because oh, I want to see these two teams play basketball, which, of course, there is an inherent sense of that when you're watching a game. But more so than ever, even when you watch the NBA, like NBA fans watch certain games because of the storyline, and you can't create those storylines if the games aren't easy to find. And now we're seeing exactly what I had said and so many people have been pleading for coming up to this point. If you just give women's sports the platforms, fans will come. Fans will appreciate the storylines that are happening and it's so great to see that like these cable outlets have taken the chance to put women's sports on these outlets and exactly what we thought was happening is happening yeah I think really it's you have to just give you have to give them the chance to create these storylines you have to put the storylines on a platform because obviously they exist um but people have to be able to see them. And I think finally we are final. They're getting those platforms, mm-hmm. which is great. <laughs> Not to play like that as a man card, but <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Okay. Someone that 
didn't have a natural inclination to watch women's sports because like I just grew up around the NBA and the right. NBA and stuff like that. As someone that's also gotten into it way later in life, I, not even a calendar year, I would say, I've been paying attention to the W and NCAA women's basketball. It's not hard to get into. It's really not. Your first WNBA game that we covered together. Oh, that was beautiful. You were like hooked immediately, and that was like so well, yeah, they cool. Ca- to watch. Well, I was hooked in the pregame when they started calling it the W. I was like, "That's the <laughs> sickest thing I've ever heard in my twenty years of age." Like they're like, "It's like Coach Sandy's like, yeah, we're just playing in the W. It's really hard for us." And I'm oh, like, boy. "This is awesome!" Like, so, but it's it's not hard to get into, and drama's drama regardless of gender. I totally agree, mm-hmm. and if you can play off of it, like. Not that, uh, so the, the, for context, and I, I sorry for the, I'm going to continue with the Magic and Bird comps because I Go think they're it. real. I, I, I think it is. So the NBA in the 70s uh, was in a dark, was in a dark time. They had come off the tail, the t- they were coming off the tail end of the novelty of Wilt Chamberlain and, uh, and Bill Russell going, the 70s were a pretty dark time. The ABA was taking a lot of eyes away from the NBA because the NBA was more boring. They didn't have a three-point line. They didn't have an all-star game. They weren't player-focused. And then Magic Johnson and Larry Bird come up in rival schools back when Indiana State basketball... Have you heard of Indiana State besides in the context of Larry Bird? No. Like, ever? Like, I was thinking about that the other day. What a fumble on (laughs) on the part of Indiana State. Not to be able to carry the legacy in those powder blues. But... They take their college rivalry, they go one and two in the NBA draft, and they saved the league. David Stern takes over in in 1984, and he has a commercial mind. And the good the good thing about women's sports is the people that are involved are all looking to grow the league. That's something we don't see in men's sports because they're already so established. Uh, people that work in the WNBA, people that work in the NWSL. They want seeing the sport grow is part of their goals. Commercial success is a part of their goals as much as championships, good on-court product. David Stern was kind of one of one in that when he took over the league back in '84. So to see him, to see what he did, like the Magic and Bird rivalry isn't as big without Stern. And we have people in place in the NWSL, in NCAA Women's, in the W that want to see the sport grown. If we have players on the court like this, and once they get the platform, I think we're going to see a exponential, meteoric rise of women's sports. It's already starting, and that's what's so fun about it is that, you know, I, I mentioned the growth from Twitch to CBS that and ESPN. Great. Twitch like. is insane. <laughs> Twitch is, yeah, yeah, like gifted subs for like this next editor <laughs> right? is insane. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what was happening here. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Growth, I think, especially when you're talking about media and, and sports, it's very exponential in it in in nature. So, like, we're seeing a lot of growth now, but it's only going to keep growing and keep growing and at a faster and faster rate. And that's what's most exciting, or at least I hope. All signs point to that being the, the case. But we're going to transition more into a specific topic. And the first thing, we're going to talk about U.S. Women's National Team in a little bit, but we're going to start in the NCAA Women's. Uh, Angel Reese returned to action yesterday, defeated Virginia Tech, who is, you know, that's that's one hell of a game to have to come back to. I mean, Virginia Tech made the Final Four last season. Really, really great team. Angel Reese scores 19 points. Looks like she's ready to help her team again. 
Still no confirmation on why she was missing. At first, it seemed like a coach's decision. And then, you know, Angel Reese starts talking about mental health and all this other stuff, which athletics and mental health is a huge topic of conversation. But the way it was painted at first was not like Angel Reese needs a mental health break. This The way this was painted was like Angel Reese did something wrong and that's why she's not playing. That's why it's a coach's decision. And unless the coach's decision, there is a world out there where Ken Mulkey was like, your mental health isn't where it's supposed to be. You're not playing. But I don't know if I think Kim Mulkey is a type of coach to even do that to begin with. So I don't know what to think of the way this post-game press conference went. But I want to hear what you guys have to think, have to say, rather. Uh, I think, so what's murky to me is that uh, in Angel Reese's last game on November 14th, mm-hmm. Kim Mulkey pulls her after 14 minutes. So what happened in that four? Like, and then didn't play again. Yeah, that's the and bizarre 11, part. It wasn't, to me. it wasn't performance. She had 11 points in 14 minutes. Yeah, she so was going crazy. To me, the question is like, what happened at that specific moment for Kim Mulkey to be like, all right, like she's done. It's just that that part is weird to me. Like, if she was taking a mental health break. In the middle of a in game? In the middle of a game. Like, I, ju- I just okay, don't Kevin get Love. that. <laughs> I don't get that. Um, but if it was kind of a more coach's decision, I guess that makes sense that she would pull her in the 14th minute. But, again, she she was playing well. So it's just kind of a bizarre thing. If it is true that, you know, she needed a break and she had to go and take care of her mental health, I think that's obviously very important to do. And she deserves to have that time away because – she she said in that press conference, I don't want to become a cancer in the locker room. I don't want to bring other people down, and I think that's very important. And obviously she has to take care of herself first. Um, so if it was a mental health break, I, I get it. But it's just there's kind of these murky waters where there's not really a clear answer. And then you have Kim Mulkey, like, blaming the media and saying, like... What a psychopath. She said, <laughs> she said like, she walked into the press conference and she said, it's a wonderful profession until I have to deal with y'all. So, like... Like, <laughs> God, God forbid. This is what really makes me mad is when... Go off, Julie. I'm like, ready. God forbid there are a bunch of people sitting in a room wanting to hear from you so they can help you grow the sport that you coach. Like, what is wrong with her? What is like, what is actually wrong with her? Why is she picking a fight with the media when the media is not out to get her? I don't know. The media is not. They just want to know what's going on, and it's their job to figure that out. They're not out to get Kim Mulkey, although on a personal level, they definitely should be because how <laughs> she's being tr- how she's treating them and also her view on covid is so weird oh my gosh i can't i can't stand her mindset in women's sports that group of people that you're looking out on the podium at are a bunch of people who are going to write about your team and five years ago i bet that room was empty like five years ago there were not more than five people there you should be looking out seeing 20 people there and be happy that there are that many people who want to cover your sport because it's. I don't want to make it seem like, okay, the media is doing charity because that is absolutely not. And I feel like my tone of voice was going in that direction for a, a bit, second. That's, bit, that's not bit. what I mean not by that you. at all. A little bit. That's not what I mean by that. What I mean is that the game is growing and you're watching it grow in front of you. And you work in that profession that is growing. You should be happy about that. You shouldn't be picking fights with the people who are a part of that growth because you guys should be. This is really what I was trying to get at. You guys should... The coaching staff and the media in women's sports should be a partnership because you're both trying to grow the sport. And 
I just don't, I don't know what the media particularly has done against Kim Mulkey and LSU's team that's making her so upset. I think her issue is that the media was, from her perspective, kind of filling in the lines about why Angel was missing. That's their job. And she's being intentionally vague about what happened. And then she said, some of you take it to a personal level. Well, the nature of the situation is that it's a personal thing. So maybe if she didn't want them to talk about Angel Reese's personal life, then... Like, it's just like the nature of the situation is that it's personal. So you can't attack the media for exactly. taking it to a personal level, quote unquote. I don't like Kim Mulkey. Oh, uh, you're about to defend her. I've never liked Kim Mulkey. I don't know if I hate that attitude in women's sports because I think it's different. Because in a world where everyone is trying to grow the sport, her kind of being the Belichick. And being not That's to be true. like the Patriots and just being like not in hating the media, just being like, I don't care if no, I don't care if it's an empty gym. I'm here to win basketball games. That's kind of cool to me. I, I, that's it's kind of cool, cool to me, me as someone who wants to see the sport grow. I know that, and I don't think I don't think she's directly like killing the growth of the sport. I think I don't I, either. I but... obviously have bias towards like the journalist side, and um, but on like the Angel Reese thing specifically, uh, I think. Mental health is important in, in athletics. I think it's also really easy to cry mental health when you don't want your actual situation to be brought out. <laughs> I'm very firmly of the belief because the way she pulled her in that game, it had to be like Angel Reese was academically ineligible for that game. And well, that's what everyone and and, and then and then they Kim Mulkey realizes it or gets told by athletics like pull her out, pull her out, pull her out, and she gets pulled. Yeah, like there's no I, I, other reason she would get pulled in about why else would it? No, be? no, no. I'm just saying I, I can't see. Like I just feel they would be more prepared than that. You like, don't think Mulkey? You don't think Mulkey would be like screw LSU athletics, screw the rules? I want Kim Mulkey would die to win a, 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 a out of conference. Cannon, I don't know. She's a glass. She also like can't take criticism. It feels like a little bit. I feel like she's kind of a glass cannon in that. She's always ready to talk, but whenever someone's like. You look like a colorblind dentist. Design your outfit. She, like, would be offended. I, I, I'm not a fan of her. I'm not a fan of the way she went about it. And I think she definitely has like a little bit of a like god complex when it comes to LSU basketball. I could totally see her being like, I don't care what athletics says. You're you're playing. And then one of her assistants comes up. It's like they're gonna fire you if you don't pull Angel right now. And she's like, <laughs> okay, Angel, come out. I think that my theory is that there was like something brewing in the locker room and maybe Kim Mulkey got a indication that things were going to flare up Do you think even maybe with Flage because of like her mother's response? <laughs> well, honestly, no, that's not that's not a that's, terrible take. That, 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 that's another thing that's just like such an outlier of the situation that we the forget mom about. Beef. Like the, the mom fact beef. that Flage Johnson's mom is like piping in on this drama. Like So she's the one that started Is she the one that started the academic eligibility I have no idea. I I mean, it was definitely perpetuated by her. (laughs) And again, that's another reason why Kim Mulkey can't really come for the media that much about making it personal. Okay, maybe talk to Flage's mom (laughs) about making it personal on Instagram. I bet she has. Yeah, but I think they're trying to be a closed-door team. I mean, they're like the top seven. They're like one one of the championship favorites. I mean, to repeat... I just don't know if 
I think Kim's just trying to keep a closed door locker, well, okay. which I don't hate. I have something to say about that. We were talking about Bill Belichick comparisons, this and that. There's a difference between Bill Belichick and Kim Mulkey. Bill Belichick says awesome. five words, gets straight to the point, and it is what it is. Kim Mulkey is like that person who is like has a secret and is like, I wish I could tell you, but I'm not going to tell you. And then keep saying, I'm not going to tell No one, like... Yeah, no one's asking. Yeah, but, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. but still, like, I have, like, like wanting people to, to keep talking, keep asking her. It really doesn't think, feel you like... Think, you think she, like, wants the media attention around it? I don't... I am saying that there is a very big difference in the way Kim Mulkey talks about this and the way Bill Belichick... Bill Belichick actually couldn't give enough about what the media says about him like he he is straight he says That's exactly I think, I think Kim Mulkey thinks that too I, no I think she cares I don't Kim Mulkey th- fans the flames while also being secretive if she, if, she, if she didn't care what the media said about her she would not be wearing those outfits that's a great point <laughs> they're really bad they're really bad she's 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 bad. That, that's like I I like the outfits. I think they're why fun. like what I think they're kind of fun. But she's a distraction. Like. I think the outfits are fun if you're going to embrace what comes with wearing something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is like when like Bill Belichick doesn't outwardly attack the media very often. He just doesn't give good answers. He's just like, yep, we're going to work he on it. Sometimes attacks gonna, the media. Sometimes, but not too. I mean, is this the first time Mulkey's done something like this? No. She's always been, like, anti-media? Well, with the whole COVID situation, when she was at Baylor, she had a, a war with the media because everyone was like, you're insane, because she was like, we shouldn't be testing these players because they're all getting COVID. Yeah, you te- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop, yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, 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 with her logic, she would end COVID if yeah, nobody lit. ever tested. But that's dumb. That's so stupid. No, that's lit, because no COVID. <laughs> no COVID. Yeah, sure. Everyone Duh. would just everyone just be mysteriously dying yeah, for no yeah, reason. yeah. yeah. But she like she had a little scuffle with the media because obviously a normal thinking person hears a comment like that and they're like, well, that doesn't make any well, they sense have at all. Questions about it, right? Yeah. Um, so it's just, and I'm sure it's happened before. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not like a Kim, like I'm not one of those haters that like perpetually follows her. Like I only follow her when I have to talk about her because I, I genuinely generally don't care for her. Like just as a, as like her her views on things. The way she coaches, the way she talks to the media, like I just don't like it. With this Angel Reese stuff, of course I'm watching the press conferences because it directly affects the wider scope of women's sports. On a day-to-day basis, I don't know much about Kim Mulkey because I'm not actively searching for her her stuff that doesn't make the news because our job is to talk about things that are newsworthy. If Kim Mulkey is not doing something newsworthy, I am not actively seeking out to watch it. Point being with that, I do think there's just like an inherent difference with Kim Mulkey being emotional. I think that I think emotion is really the big thing. There's no emotion with Bill Belichick. He is just like he's yeah, awesome. He's great. And I think the way he I think that's the way you go about media when you don't want to talk to them. You just give them nothing and you give them nothing to work off of. I mean, Tom Brady left New England and Bill Belichick never made headlines for any responses that he had to don't it. Remind me. I know you're a big Boston guy over here. Kim Mulkey, however, is, just deals with things incorrectly. It just feels like she's saying things that she knows is going to get media attention, and then she gets mad that it gets media attention. Like just, just be like Bill. Say something that's like, "Yeah, Angel Reese isn't playing tonight." Period, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Not, 
all this extra stuff she's saying about the media that she knows is going to be written about. Like yeah. she knows when she says things like that, they that is going to give the media something to talk about. And that's really what I was trying to get at, I think, through this whole thing is like she doesn't want media attention, but she does everything in her power through the words that she says and what she does off the court to garner media attention. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely she's a smart woman and she knows what's going to happen with her words. And, you know, she obviously, I think, just needs to shorten up those responses. But I don't hate the fact that she doesn't want to tell people what's going on. with Exactly. That's the point I was trying to make. Like, I respect that she's protecting her players. Exactly. I respect that. But when it comes with like totally saying all this stuff about the media, that's not cool. So it's just like she she needs to simplify things. <laughs> yes. I think that's the best way to, to wrap that segment yeah. up is just simplify things. Well, Angel Reese is back. She's going to be back. Yeah, that was <laughs> Kim Mulkey was the Angel <laughs> Reese segment. That was awesome. But there's really not much to say about. Um, I mean, she had a pretty good a, performance. She had a pretty good performance. Haley seems... Van Lith is such a garbage basketball player. <laughs> All right, well, we can get into that right now. Do we think this is the last thing I'll say about LSU before we move on to South Carolina? With everything happening, with them having those players back, are they are they in line to to go back to back, or or are these off the court issues too much, or maybe even just on the court? Are they just not good enough to run it back again? I mean, they ran a seven girl, seven woman roster last night in non conference. That's kind of scary coaching from yeah, Kim, like playing players almost forty minutes a game in a non conference. In a non conference game is like, what are we doing as the top, as like the seventh best team in the country? I, I also, it's also like, I mean, Virginia Tech's good. Yeah, it I was mean, against the ninth ranked team in the country. I know, but like the Hokies also kind of had a bad game too like yeah two two of their tops uh didn't even score i i i'm very interested in to see how flaje and reese are going to play together <laughs> with their mom's beefing i mean so crazy there's like so <laughs> this is such a good rebounding team too i don't know i think i think they're they're I, they're like back yeah if they ever were gone like I mean, they're a great basketball team. Yeah. Kim Mulkey sucks. I think you saw people panic a little bit with the Colorado loss to open the season. But I think with Angel back, it's it's not a huge problem. I said this in I said this about the Liberty a lot at the beginning of this season, and we all did, is how they need to, they have all these superstars and they needed to find a way for all of them to work together in sync. And I think you're seeing the same thing with LSU. You have all these superstars and they still have yet to find a way to really gel. And with all the drama, I think it's going to be even harder. So I don't know if they're going to go back to back. I never say you can never like make a back to back prediction in the NCAA, in my opinion, just because the field is so wide, but the drama that, they're seeing i it's it's gonna make it hard for them well lsu moving forward has just an absolute joke of a non-conference slate i can't believe i'm about to read off these names but their next five games louisiana lafayette mcneese northwestern state coppin state and jacksonville like what are we doing here i've 
four out of five of those schools I've never heard of. You're, you you never just won a national championship and you can't make a better non-conference schedule than that? Like, come on now. What are we doing here? And they've already played Texas Southern SLU. And that, I don't mean St. Louis University. I don't know southeastern louisiana I, I don't mean st louis i mean southeastern louisiana what are we doing here no wonder they're ranked seventh if they had any kind of a wait these- what i hate that actually <laughs> yeah i mean they do they play no this would be sec basketball opening up here uh january 4th the rest of their non-conference slate is i would be surprised if any of these teams is ranked in the top 100 i mean a lot of these are division two this is ridiculous I'm just now looking at this. This is not. Yeah, same. I did. I've not. I did not see that. Um, that's really bad. Well, they're gonna win all those games. <laughs> it must have made a lot of. Well, I don't know. For buy games, would LSU pay those teams to play them, or is that um, just in football? No, 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 no. We we uh, we pay them to okay. come, or they they can pay us too. And no, no, no. In in basketball, it's weird. Like, cause the the mentality of it is you can. They could play any, but I mean, not when you're a top ten team that just won a national championship. What is this out of? I, <laughs> I want to go back to see what their out of conference was like uh, last year. I don't know. Uh, this this is, is this are out of conference last night. Uh, Billermine, uh, Mississippi State Valley, WCU, HCU, Northwestern State, George Mason, UAB, SLU again. This is when they're top ten. Tulane. Okay, two New Orleans is was canceled. Lanes. Lamar, Montana State, Oregon State, Arkansas. What's going on here? Vanderbilt, A and M, Kentucky. Oh, this is SEC at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, do they just have like the worst out of conference ever? I mean, I mean it's up be- to the coach to make the schedule. This is on Kim Mulkey. Let's go back another year. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like this is really bad though. Uh, L.A. Lafayette. Uh yeah yeah yeah. L A Lafayette, uh Pacific, LMU, UCF, West okay. Virginia. That was okay. a top UCF 25 and West team. Virginia. Miss Mississippi State. They were good then. They got thirty piece by Mississippi State. BYU. They lost. Uh, this one's better. I can. It's crazy. But you. Look oh, that's at- SEC tournament. Um, yeah, like LSU, Ole Miss, uh, Tennessee. Yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's compare this to Iowa. So Iowa's played. Number nine, Virgi- Jesus, Virginia Tech put themselves in quite the situation of a non-conference schedule. <laughs> they were the number one team uh, last year. Or, yeah, last year they were the number one team. Well, Iowa's played Virginia Tech, Kansas State. Those are already two ranked matchups. And then played Kansas State twice? Okay. Maybe that's conference starting early. But Iowa has a better non-conference slate here. Objectively. Than- I can't believe that's the worst non-conference schedule I've seen in my entire life. For a top 10 team. But we do have to move on. We've talked about LSU quite a bit. We're going to briefly talk about the in-state rivalry of North Carolina and South Carolina happened last night. South Carolina pulled through, but not without a fight. That's awesome. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Um, Trying to find the actual facts of have it on the have it on the youtube account of women hooping the video (laughs) of the fight is the name it was 70k subscribers shout out to women hooping are you getting paid for that no okay just making sure Uh, maybe i run it so well (laughs) ashlyn watkins and Alyssa usby got tangled up fought and i love it 
I, I don't know. I love it when a rivalry, like this is going to fuel even more what's already been a rivalry. That's my thought on it. Annabelle, what do you think? I feel like a uh, reoccurring theme of this podcast, this episode has been <laughs> drama. Love it. And again, another drama that intensifies a rivalry that will get more people to view women's sports. Um, but yeah, just kind of a crazy fight. And, you know, I I enjoy watching <laughs> a little scuffle in sports. Um, so that was definitely funny to see. And just for South Carolina to come out of such a gritty game like this that is a rivalry game shows how good of a team they are. Don Staley's a dog. You see in that fight, she was like, get back, get back. And then she started <laughs> screaming at the uh, UNC players. That was sick. Um Talk about a real players coach. Yeah. Oh, she's Don the Staley. best. And she's a real scout players coach. She always gives shout out to her scout players, which <laughs> I, I have obvious bias towards. Right. Um, it started with like a little loose ball scrap. And shout out UNC for like just being, like, I think UNC, they they were kind of, they're a smaller team and they were going to get up against some, some pretty big girls like that. That uh, U of SC team is huge. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this you, I mean, it's a two, it's a top twenty-five matchup on opposite ends of the spectrum, but th- this is like attitude from this UNC team that makes me think they can rise in the rankings. I don't think the in-state rivalry, like, like I, they could have been playing like Grambling, like you know what I mean. As long as they're playing a number one team, at least that's what I saw, because I don't think the U of SC and UNC rivalry is that big. Mm-hmm. At least on men's ball. I don't know about women's. I don't know how regularly. Um, UNC is at, is in top 25 of women's basketball. Well, to talk about UNC for a second, they've had a bit of a gauntlet. They're not going to be ranked after this week. They're going to be out of the top 25. Um, but they've had a bit of a gauntlet of a schedule, but they didn't do themselves any favors by losing to Florida Gulf Coast University. I feel like this loss to South Carolina would have kept them in the top 25 if they hadn't dropped that game. Because I remember um, we, were, we were talking about A-10 women's basketball, and Davidson played UNC super close in that second game. And this is when UNC was like 17th in the country. And they only lost 74 to 70. And everyone was like, oh, my God, Davidson is a real deal. But it looks like <laughs> North Carolina might be frauds because they are now 5-3. and three. They lost to Kansas State, which they were ranked. That's a acceptable loss. I don't hate that. But then you lose to South Carolina, which, again, obviously an acceptable loss. And then you lose to Florida Gulf Coast University. Come on now. And then they, it doesn't get any easier because they play UConn on December 10th. That's in less than two weeks. That's not going to be easy. They play Notre Dame. They play Florida State. All of these ranked Notre matchups. Dame. Louisville ranked. North Carolina, uh, NC State rather, ranked. Duke should will be ranked at some point probably. And then NC State again. Like They play in a very difficult conference. And they loaded up their non-conference schedule, and it's not going very well. So North Carolina, best of luck to you once you get to conference play. But you're gonna have to win the ACC to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they're yeah they won't get a double. Um, ACC is very strong as well. But uh, I don't know if uh, is Duke still ranked? No, no. Um, I don't know if they will be. I I I do genuinely believe they will be at some point this season. Yeah. Um. There's no way that a team that lo- that lo- loses to Davidson is actually good. Like Davidson. Well, they beat Davidson, but only by four. Or, but yeah, 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 yeah. Or like the team that sorry takes Davidson that Davidson takes to the distance. Yeah. 
And then loses to FG, FG Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah. Shout out the Eagles, though. Yeah. Um, but before we move over to U.S. Women's National Team, we talked about it last week, but I don't believe Annabelle was on the episode. AZ FUD. Oh, yeah. Tori, I, I want to give Rip. you the- Me and Chaz had a little debate slash conversation about this in the middle of our class. Well, let's- Because we recorded the podcast right before our yeah. class. Well, let's first of all bring this to the airwaves, but also before that, Annabelle, I just want to give you the space to, you know, grieve out loud. And where do you think this team heads from here? Yeah, so it's just incredibly frustrating because- you become so optimistic when Paige comes back. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, it's like, oh. Like, we're so back. We're so back. Yeah. And then it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> AZ Fudd. AZ Another Fudd. Um, it definitely, and I said this to Chaz when we were talking about it in class, definitely brings up questions about, okay, is it the training staff? I think, uh, and this is hard for me to say, part of it is Gino is an old school coach and – it might be some of these girls who are in this next generation, maybe they need to be treated like a little softer uh, and like I don't know how to uh, But shouldn't the next shouldn't the next generation be more more like they should be more athletic. Like they're not playing in converse anymore, you know what I mean? Like they like, should be more athletic, but the way that you are trained should be different as well if you are going to be playing right more right games. like like you mean like less like gino's pe- probably not paying as much attention to like recovery times yeah that, yeah like yeah, i, I could see that i, I, I don't think like, they don't have modern facilities like the competitive they, nature is more now and i think the the wear and tear on different joints and ligaments is more mm-hmm. so the athletic training okay. staff has to improve with it true, like what true. what i'm saying is i don't think gino is the type of coach who they're going to go and have this really hard practice where he's probably yelling at them and really pushing them. And then he's not going to be like, girls, we're going to go do like a a recovery workout in the pool. Like, <laughs> I don't think he's doing that kind of thing. Um, I love Gino. I, I love Gino as well. And, you know, I can't, obvi- like, the players love him. The UConn players love Gino to death. So it's not necessarily an issue with his coaching, but it definitely raises questions. What's the problem here? Because you have your whole team is getting season ending injured. injuries every season. Yeah. And Could it's happening like... twice to one of your star players. So it's just brings up a lot of questions. I don't think it'll ever really be answered because it's going to make you come look bad either way probably mm. or yeah it could just be bad luck it really could just be bad luck um but i think moving forward i have a lot of hope in page but without az i don't know how dominant they're gonna be and page is coming off a big injury two big injuries herself yeah page has to work those minutes back up work the intensity back up so it's it's not a great not a great occurrence, but we'll see <laughs> how they fare. Um but without AZ, I'm I'm not like totally pushing the panic button, but I mean they'll win the big east. They'll win the big east, but you know, I, I don't I don't think they're winning a championship. You don't think they could compete? I think they could compete. I just don't think without AZ they're not gonna they be make able it- to compete with the South Carolina. Do they make it to the Elite Eight? Yes. Okay. Out of that side of the bracket? 
That's how the bracket's pretty tough. It, don't they? Don't they? Don't they have to play the ACC champion? I, I'm not. sure. I have no idea how yeah. bracket making. Works. I have no idea. I thought it was just random. Uh, is it? <laughs> no. I, I don't. Don't. Don't the random. same. Don't the same conference champions play every year? I don't, I don't think so. I, I think. I think random. I might be I dumb know. and wrong. Well, if you're listening to this and you know the answer, I'm sorry you have to sit through that conversation. Yeah, I'm pretty dumb. They just know the answer, and we're just. But UConn has a tough schedule, too. I mean, they make themselves a very hard schedule every season. That's something Gino, I think, prides himself on. They play number 10 Texas Sunday, play 24 UNC, who will not be 24 by the time they play uh, that following Sunday on the 10th. Then they have Louisville, who's ranked, Marquette, who's ranked. They've got a date with South Carolina, Notre Dame. This is a tough schedule, but this is a good team. They have Paige Beckers, you know, and Gino is a great coach. He has a knack for getting other players to step up. I mean, it, when everything went to hell at the end of last year, when like truly mm-hmm. everyone was injured, they still found their way making a decent run in the NCAA yeah. tournament. So it's not like it's a lot like the U.S. Women's National Team, where it's like World Cup or bust. We don't live in that world. Mm-hmm. That's just not women's sports is much more competitive now. That's just not the world we live in. Yeah, and I also want to point out most of the girls on this team are the ones who were there for the whole COVID thing. So this yeah. this team just hasn't had any good luck. <laughs> and I would like to see them have some good luck. Well, talked a lot about NCAA women's b- basketball. But we're going to transfer over to some U.S. women's national team talk. Something very near and dear to my heart. They play their first friendlies since announcing Emma Hayes is going to be the next coach. They play China tomorrow at 3 p.m. And for me, I don't, I'm not really caring as much as about what we see on the field. I, I mean, they should win this game. China is decent, but they're not at that level with like Sweden, England, USA, Spain. They're in that second tier, I think, with teams like Colombia, I'm completely blanking on the other team I was thinking of, but they're in that second tier. Um, what I care about about this friendly is that Emma Hayes made the trek to the illustrious Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which I saw this tweet. I thought this tweet that was so funny. And I was like, this is the perfect way to get Emma Hayes. Like, yeah, this is a glamorous job, but like you also have to go to Fort Lauderdale for two weeks. And Pretty brutal. So I am excited about the fact Emma Hayes finally gets to meet these players. She's not coaching the team. She's there just to meet with the players and observe. Because as we said before, she will not be coaching this team until just a couple months before the Olympics, which is definitely something. Twyla Kilgore will be continuing to be the interim manager here. But Annabelle, we'll start with you. What are your overall thoughts on on just this whole situation, the, the matchup against China, Emma Hayes, all of it? Yeah, I think as far as the matchup with China, like you said, it's this the level China plays isn't necessarily going to be a huge big matchup mm-hmm. for the US, but I always say this when we talk about uh the US women's national team. They're ushering in this new era, so they have to learn how to play with each other and I think this is going to start they're going to get a fresh slate. They have all the the failures from the World Cup. They had the whole Vlatko drama, but now they have a chance to have a fresh slate. They have a new coach that they seem to really 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 believe in and I think you just got to start fresh and win this game, win this friendly which they probably will. Um and look ahead to when Emma Hayes can finally actually coach them. <laughs> Emma Hayes is better than Flacco. 
Shocker. I know that's a shocker. And people, what? <laughs> uh, he is. He 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 was a bad 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 coach, and he was not. I I don't think he was. Just, the bad national team coach. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure, 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 sure. I think this is a cool move. I also think they're definitely going to find ways to circumvent that uh, non-compete or whatever. Uh, like she's she's there for a reason. Yeah. I I like that she's putting her face to the player so early, uh, so she can kind of get ingratiated there rather than like whatever it's been before. But I I'm a big fan of what Emma Hayes is uh, doing down there. In yeah. Lauderdale. And I think the biggest thing, and I was thinking about this last night as I was thinking about this matchup tomorrow, what's so great, I think, about the U.S. women's national team is that they have the talent. They just need direction. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot easier to fix than getting talent. So when we think about the fact that Emma Hayes won't be actually the manager of this team until about two months before the Olympics, I think she could start managing this team two days before the Olympics and we would have a better shot at winning the Olympics and with Flatco because the talent is there. As I said, you don't have to bring in new talent. They have, they have the, the, I guess talent is the word I keep using. They have the skill, I guess, that they need to compete at the highest level. They have the best roster from top to bottom in the whole world. And I still truly believe that. They just need tactics and they need directions. And that could that doesn't change overnight, but just a better direction can happen in one day. And that automatically makes the team better, especially like this team did not like Vladko and Anofsky. Morale was low because they didn't feel like they were being led in a good direction. They're already bought in on Emma Hayes. That's already a plus. So I'm not as concerned. Are we winning the, a gold in the Olympics? No, I yeah. don't. I don't think that's yeah. happening. But USA. I think that, all right. I think we're competing though. I think we're competing a lot more than people are giving us credit for just because Emma Hayes is such a good manager. We have the tools. I think Emma Hayes just needs to build the building. That's yes. a fire analogy. Thank you. Uh no, we have yeah, we have the it's just about we have the pieces. Mm-hmm. I was I was about to do another dumb enough. We have no no no. We have the right pieces about how they, roster, yeah. how they fit together. It's how they fit together. Hundred percent. And the last thing I'll mention before we wrap up the show is the roster itself was really interesting. Crazy. This is the first. This is the first roster that has you know some Emma Hayes influence on it. Mm. But no, I don't think anyone should be panicking here because this roster. This is a perfect camp here to like really try something new because we're far enough away from the Olympics to be able to try things, but close enough to where whatever happens at this camp can be used to make decisions when we get closer to the Olympics. This is a perfect sweet spot of like, screw it, let's bring in these players, see how they react in this camp and see who survives because that's what the U.S. Women's National Team is as a whole. And so a lot of new players, some some very familiar faces left off the roster, Alex Morgan, Kelly O'Hara, but Abby Dalkemper is back from her back injury. But we have players like Mia Fischel, Savannah DeMello, continuing to get call-ups. M.A. from Angel City. So, guys, what are what are we thinking about this roster? I know I just said my piece, but Chaz, we can start with you. What are your thoughts? I mean, no Alex Morgan is crazy to me. <laughs> she is like, I would say she's the face of women's soccer. Maybe Rapino, but she kind of gets a lot of negative press. And she's retired. Yeah. 
um, no Alex Morgan is is going to be weird to see the USWNT without you know Alex Morgan being in there uh, doing her thing. But I, I like the new move, especially with a new coach, kind of out with the old in with the new. Not that they're discounting what Morgan and those players did for the U.S. Women's National Team, but she definitely, uh, Emma, Emma Hayes, having influence over this roster and making, I would say, such bold decisions is a good thing because from what we saw with how good this team was and how terribly they were managed... Any change is a good change. And Twilight did say that, you know, don't no player left off the roster in this camp in particular has any indication of being left off another roster in the future. So definitely no reason to, to panic there. But Jenna Nyswanger is on this roster, and that's so fun to me because she, rookie of the year, plays for Gotham FC. Someone I wasn't expecting to get called up so soon, but now that she is, it makes total sense to me, and it is so fun because she is a defender who can play every single position she's a fantastic goal scorer she has a great shot she can play forward she can play midfield she just has the skill as a soccer player and then some familiar faces Lindsay Horan captain Rose Lavelle um, but a lot of new faces Tierna Davidson coming back from her ACL injury missed that roster into the World Cup um, and yeah like I said me official from Chelsea got some Jaden Shaw other Gotham players Mitch Purse and Lynn Williams but before we wrap up Annabelle what are your final thoughts about the roster going into this matchup tomorrow? Certainly ushering in a new era, uh, the Emma Hayes era. And it's a shame to see Alex Morgan off the roster. I remember one of my like earliest childhood sports memories is I read her book. It's called like Breakaway or something. <laughs> and I have been an Alex Morgan fan ever since. So definitely showing a, kind of a sign of the times, but... A lot of optimism from this roster, and obviously, as you mentioned, Julia, it probably will shift from camp to camp, but um, a new era. And then at the goalkeeper position, Alyssa Nair, not invited to this camp. In my mind, this feels like an obvious push to try and figure out who the actual backup keeper is going to be heading into the Olympics, because Alyssa Nair has not done anything wrong to lose her spot. In fact, she is the most trusted person on this team, in my opinion, um, as far as... Like she's just a fantastic goalkeeper. So in my mind, I'm hoping that this is just to really figure out who is set apart because Jane Campbell was left off, was, was largely the second or third string keeper in every camp and then left off the Olympics roster. Um, so inviting her back in, giving her a chance to win that spot back um, will be beneficial, I think, for everyone. But that is going to do it for this week's edition of All In. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode All In is a production of WFUV Sports.